Okay. Okay. Well, we're we're hello. Hello. We're we are recording, so we need an I don't get it off the top because I have to edit this in order tomorrow. I don't get it. Welcome to I Don't Get It, a podcast about performances in Edmonton. I'm Fonda. And I'm Paul. And we are proud to be part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered, powered by, by ATB. And <laughs> powered. It's snowy out, Fonda. Winter is here. It's so snowy and slushy. Oh what's, your, what's your favorite warm drink for the winter? It's mulled wine, for sure. Ah, for yes. For sure, yeah. Good. Have you, you've had such a thing? Oh, yes. In, in my life, yes. Not like today or recently, oh, but well. I, do, I do love a good mulled wine. Yes. No, the Canadians have not seemed to catch on how good mulled wine is in just like general circumstances in the winter. Yeah, they think it's, like, it's only for Christmas. Hey, you like wine? You like nutmeg? Mm-hmm. Put them together and heat them up. Nutmeg and orange slices, okay. and um, we'll put some rum in there. Yeah, you know, um, glue vine. If you make the traditional glue vine, like the, they do in Germany or in you know Czech mm-hmm. Republic or anywhere, there's like definitely rum in there and all sorts of like wonderful things. Um, Speaking of of things, um, Fonda, we saw some stuff. We saw oh, some... right, oh right, enough on the mulled wine. <laughs> uh, we can get into that in the show notes later. A good, yes. Include a good recipe for mulled wine. Well, let's well let's go with what we saw. Well, with what you saw first, mm-hmm. um, because that was longer ago. Yeah, we both saw one thing, and now we're going to talk to each other about them. Yeah, and so how was? Tell me about the the plastic orchid factory. So yeah, so this was a show called Digital Folk that was um, by the company Plastic Orchid Factory, who are based in Vancouver. Um, and who were being presented by Mile Zero Dance in the Spazio Performativo. Um, yeah, and it was like my kind of weird time, <laughs> okay. I guess. Uh, it was like um, uh, part art installation, part video game, part dance piece was sort of how it was billing itself. Um, and that is correct. When you got to the, the space, um, you hung up your coat, but you also had to put on a costume piece. Um did you have to wear something? Yeah, I chose a fetching uh, furry vest. Nice, um, nice. And then uh, in the space, it was there was a lot going on right when you went in. Um, there were two screens on two walls, sort of adjacent to each other. Um, one had like ro- rock band set up, like the the video game play along with the song Rock Band. And then on the other was um, a game that was uh on a screen um there was a character dancing and your goal was to just mirror their dances um (laughs) as multiple people were trying to go through these these motions so was it like groups of people trying to do it at that time there was um the the collective was quite big i'm not sure how many dancers were there uh altogether performers um but then also they were inviting audience to be part of that as well um so yeah the the vibe was like a like a strange party (laughs) I guess. And then uh, the seating was sort of like um, this little ziggurat of boxes um, and squares that was sort of like the main audience spot. Uh, And then there were... What is a ziggurat? It's like, um, you know, like an... uh, It's like a pyramid, but there's lots of slopes, like an Aztec temple. Oh, yeah, okay, cool, 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 cool. Yeah. Yeah, and and then when the show began in earnest, there was sort of like... uh, sequences that would happen um and and things where moments where it got really loose and moments when it was uh, a little more more focused um so there would be a moment when rock band was happening uh there would be a moment when dancers were sort of circling 
Um, there would be a moment when all the dancers were on their phones, but also moving and, and reacting. Um, there'd be a moment where we were invited to be pulled up and be a part of it in, in various ways. Yeah. And I think like, um, as far as like, uh, there were mirroring sequences. Um, there was clips from Legend of Zelda, a Link to the Past, which is a Super <laughs> Nintendo game. Yeah, and it was, uh, yeah, it was this. It was. It's hard to explain a little bit, but it's felt like it sort of found these moments of um, message or focus. Um, but it was also like just kind of a party that was happening all around you. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so as a, you know, if if you're at this party or whatever, are mm-hmm. you are you sort of allowed to be a wallflower? What is the sort? What is the kind of feeling that you get as an audience member watching yeah. this stuff happen? It seemed like uh, the there was a uh, an invite. There was always the invite to be involved in some way for the for the most part. Um, you didn't have to. Like there were times when they would go up to specific people um, while other things were happening, be like, "Do you want to come do this with me?" Mm-hmm. And some people said yes, and some people said no, and the thing the thing continued on regardless. Yeah, and it seemed like um, someone I was talking to. Uh, para- I'm paraphrasing them now, but they were sort of like uh, it was sort of looking at party culture it had a vibe of like a party culture like not quite rave culture because again there were lots of different elements going on but that's sort of like party where everyone's sort of invested and into it but just looking at sort of these like positive moments or these sort of focused moments maybe positive is over overselling the the emotion but um these little these little scenes or these moments that would be sort of like uh taking in the vibe that sort of feeling of of being at this in this situation and trying to give that feeling of being in this situation whether it was like you're in the rock band part of it or like you're trying to mirror these you know in this fun dance party or Mm -hmm. um, even some of the more focused moments where dancers would start telling a story and then start telling it in different languages and moving their their arms or fingers down their bodies if they were the landscape, you know, those sorts of things. Cool. Um, so, I mean, you've been involved in a lot of immersive theater before. Sure. Or we've at least experienced it. And mm. also um, immersive house party mm. theater, mm-hmm. too. So, um, you know, and in a way, I like I also did that, that one dinner party theater thing yeah, last yeah, year, yeah. too. So how do you think that this sort of departed from that or differentiated from those other experiences? Experiences a bit. Yeah, it felt like it was a little um, less structured. Like the bits that would happen was in, were in sequence. It was also a looped event, so it was a one hour sort of runtime or like mm-hmm. forty five minutes. Um, but if you wanted, you could stay for the second loop, and it would sort of go through those same motions again, um, if you if you so choose. And yeah, I would say like as far as those those had a bit more structure. Like there was a narrative we were pushing forward. There is. Um, we want you to take this specific thing from that. But this was more like dropping you into that world and then inviting you to, to physically be a part of it, not just um, watch it from your ziggurat. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Although you could. Uh, it was trying to, I think, besides like that vibe of like, yeah, come come hang out. Come come do the thing. So it was very friendly, I yeah. would say, would and, be the vibe. And so and what did you do? Um, I did a bit of dancing. I was yeah. good at dance. <laughs> um, yeah, and then, and then watching it, I didn't play either of the games, but... Uh, it came out, uh, Rock Band did Freebird, was sort of near the climax of, of the show, was sort of the Rock Band Freebird, and, and dancers started to, you know, loop, and that became the big the big part of it, um, the big arc. Um, and that got a little unglued. That got a little messy, I would mm-hmm. say, as far as, like, where should I be focusing if I'm not involved? If I am involved, do I have a particular function, or am I just doing a thing? Mm-hmm. Um, and what is my takeaway from, from that? Um, yeah, and some people were, were into it and got really involved, and a lot of people did not. Um, but yeah, it was sort of like where where the messiness came was like 
okay, now what? What's my what's the takeaway from this? Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as just like immersing you in a in a situation, it was like a fun a fun weird vibe to to spend some time in. Do you think that the people who weren't getting involved and not really physically participating mm-hmm. had the same sort of feeling about it? Uh, maybe, yeah. I mean, some people I think just were like, I don't want to dance. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. that's not a thing I want to do in front of people. Or I am a dancer and I don't want to do, <laughs> I'm here to watch a thing. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to do, do this other thing. I don't want to work here. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, which is totally valid. And some people I think came to it as audience, just wanted to experience it uh, as the wallflower, as you, as you put it earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think those were all, all valid. Yeah. And, but yeah, uh, without participation, uh, it's sort of, you end you brush up against the question of like okay i'm in this world and i'm just watching it what do i take away what do i push through and and glean from that and there were lots of fun bits and you could sort of see that those connections that can form or the vibe that can emerge in in this sort of strange sort of almost ravery party Mm -hmm. um yeah but if you don't get involved it's also like okay well that's my where my my ability to take on this vibe uh, ends. Right. And um, do we know anything else about um, Plastic Orchid Factory, the company? Uh, I don't, in truth. It makes me think of Plastic Ono Factory. Wasn't that a thing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Plastic, the Plastic Ono Band? <laughs> oh, Plastic Ono Band. Yeah, okay. yeah, I'm yeah. thinking of another Plastic Something Factory for some reason. Sure. Yeah, but it was a cool, a cool weird thing. And they were like on a tour with that show, which is wild to think about because there was so much setup and so like such a, uh, an aesthetic they had to put into, I'm sure, many different places. Mm-hmm. And so it's wild mm. to think about taking that show on the road. Many costumes and props. Although I have a feeling that Mile Zero has like major storage areas of lots of costumes and props maybe somewhere there was <laughs> the, well somewhere. there was that year that they did the the jeans the the show with the the denim company and right. they had like 2000 pairs of jeans or something right. like so that so somewhere some somewhere sequestered away sequestered away is so much denim in the yes. mile zero <laughs> so much vibe. denim and possibly fur vests as well yeah um all right well that sound that sounded really fun i'm sad that i missed that yeah um, all right. Well, with that, I think um, it's time. Let's go to our first ad. Yeah. This episode of I Don't Get It is brought to you by the Well Endowed Podcast. It's been one year since the federal government delivered an apology to Canada's LGBTQ plus community. On their most recent episode, the Well Endowed Podcast speaks with Marnie Panas about her experience on the committee that helped draft the apology and what it meant to hear those words spoken. The Well Endowed Podcast is produced by Edmonton Community Foundation and is a proud affiliate member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Check it out at thewellendowedpodcast.com and be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yeah, so that was the thing I saw, Fonda, in our busy lives that have kept us apart in, in scene shows. Yeah. Um, and you made it out to uh, the... the uh, you made it out to Good Women Dance Collective's uh, work, Convergence. To for a the thing, year. yeah. Good Women Dance Collective annually does a showcase called Convergence. Um, and this year, Convergence consisted of a piece called The Signal, which was a full-length piece choreographed by um, Dance Collective member Ainsley Hilliard, um, along with the collective members and a cast of dancers. And I'm just, you'll hear me shuffling through the program to make sure I get everyone's names right. Nice. Um, but yeah, there were, um, there were seven performers with this piece and it was um it was sort of an exploration of the the um i don't know i guess sort of like the angst and strife that we feel feeling like hearing 
so many news and media stories um, about like bad shit. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Um, it it just yeah it, it really kind of like hammered home the kind of like assault that you may feel not only from like actually living in the world that has um a lot of uh, crap in it like patriarchy and global warming but also he- consistently hearing about it like mm-hmm. all the time right the sort of 24 hour news cycle plus Twitter plus all of the sort of media we take our our media in through yeah yeah so you get really assaulted by this idea of the signal i think that that was what they were um trying to trying to get across cool yeah so and... how did sorry go ahead no no you asked me the questions because <laughs> great um so how did that sort of manifest in a in a piece on a stage how did those ideas uh what sort of shape did they take well so the seven performers in the piece um they each kind of had a couple of moments where they were like highlighted in solo, mm-hmm. um, but also many other segments where there were um, pairings that were highlighted or um, in certain parts, text and poetry sure, was yeah. part of the performance. What One thing that I really enjoyed was um, some vocal choral work that they were all doing. Okay. Um, you know, and I... I have mixed feelings about um, dancers verbalizing a lot because I really just do like to watch dance. And I think that it's hard to um, get uh, really dense text across meaningfully when you're um, really dancing hard. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I guess rock stars do it all the time, whatever. Sure, I guess, yeah. (laughs) Um, So... In any case, um, the performers the performers were all they were insanely talented in, in the, and of their own rights. I think um, there was Lady Vanessa Cardona, who's a spoken word poet, um, Alison Cause, a regular member of the Good Women, as well as State Kate Stashko, who I will point out had a couple of the best solo moments. Cool. Um, Bridget Jessom, uh, Danielle Piers, um, Catherine Semchuk, and Mustafa Rafiq, who is um, also uh, was DJing and um, working um, spoken word into the performance as well. Cool. Um, so that was kind of very cool to see um, a range of disciplines on the stage. Sure. Um, will I say that it worked really well to kind of like get a narrative or an or a solid idea across? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yes, it, it, it really made me think a lot about the idea of... Um, you know, media assault and, and things like that. But that is something that we kind of think about often. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I I did mention Kate Stashko and I wanted to go into a couple of the parts that she did because her movement in the piece was very cool. Sure. So so how how did that play out? What did her movement look like? Um, there was one there was one part of the performance where Kate um, was responding to some of the sound design that Mustafa was uh, manipulating live on stage. Cool. And uh, Kate had this just incredible sort of like tremor shudder response. Normally when you see a dancer do um, something that that kind of is like that, like um, very small and intense, it doesn't mm-hmm. last very long because, because it's, it's intense. It's yeah. intense. It takes a lot of energy and it's also kind of hard to watch. It's mm-hmm. like, it's almost like watching someone have a seizure. Um, but they're, uh, 
Kate's um, intensity and everything just had like sort of like this kind of like draw down um, to, you know, to the point that she was kind of like sort of completely on the floor. And it really, uh, it, it was very effective. It was very effective with the way that the sound was moving or the sound was going. And um, it just something that I really, really uh, resonated from the performance for me. Um, another part of the performance where I felt that Kate and one of her dancing partners really stood out was um, dancing with Danielle Pierce, mm -hmm. um, who is a performer in a wheelchair. Right. And um, it was it was really interesting to see that because Kate and um, Danielle, like Kate was actually really allowed to put her full weight on and Danielle would kind of like take them around the stage cool. and like really, really sort of jet around. It, it changed the momentum and the feel of the movement in a way that like flat-footed performers just can't ever really sure, do. Yeah. Um, you know, so so that was very interesting and um really lent to a different um different quality of movement. So uh so with all that, with all these sort of pieces in this idea, um what did you sort of take away about the idea of the signal and sort of this like constant barrage of of bad news and these cycles we can get caught in where it seems like every tweet or every um piece of news we're taking in is in reference to some bad thing in our world. Uh, what, what was the takeaway for you? I don't know that I got to take away anything new necessarily. Mm -hmm. I think that the, a lot of um, what was happening did feel like, I know this. I feel this every day. Mm -hmm. I get it. <laughs> you the know? weight of that. Yeah. I mean, you know, there was a certain part of the, of the performance where performers were running around the stage yelling things like, Global warming, earthquakes, patriarchy, sexual assault, you know, all, and I was just kind of like, okay, yes, I, I get, I hear, I know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so it didn't feel, I don't feel that there was any sort of um, innovative resolution to it. Okay. Um, but it did, it did kind of illustrate how, um, you know, different, how different bodies can embody how they respond to it, I guess. Sure. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. So how that plays out in the body. Yeah. And I would also point out, I think that um, Catherine Semchak is a performer that we've been seeing a little more often lately. And I really enjoyed some of the floor work that she did, which seemed actually the most sort of like intense and distraught of most of the performance. She had this kind of like really angular um, and kind of like um, jarring way of moving. Um, and, and it was very, very low to the ground. Um, so you know I noticed that as well but overall as an arc I couldn't I wasn't really sure what to take away from it and just kind of like how am I supposed to feel about the signal now other mm. than like the way I normally do which mm. is resentful <laughs> um, you know just like as a, as, a, as a woman and just you know dealing with with constant shit but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but like not that not as much shit as so many other people have to deal with though right mm. how about another ad back to school again is a podcast about people who made the decision in midlife to return to school either to pursue a new type of career to augment their current career or just for the sheer challenge of learning something new it chronicles the personal journey of katrina ingram who is back in school after more than two decades away the podcast is available now in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and most other podcatchers. You can also find the episodes and the show notes at backtoschoolagain.ca. We have a news item. We're sad about it. Yes. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about 
the value of arts media yeah. <laughs> on this podcast. Yes. Um, and this week we're sad to uh, announce, not, not that you haven't already heard it, that, that View Weekly is ceasing production at the end of the month. That's right. And that's sort of like the Alt Weekly is where both Fonda and myself and our producer Andrew all come from, sort of the beginnings of, of C and View, when there were two Alt Weeklies in this town once upon a time. Well, one day we will do a major documentary series of episodes on what C and View was and how that all really happened i think yeah but you know in the meantime it's just like uh you know media that cares about the arts and puts local arts um uh, front and center and uh, gives it the the clout and the the thought it deserves is important and that was one of the the last sort of standing print media sort of publications that do that there are blogs that have popped up you know there's um those sorts of things but increasingly, like, a view and uh, was one of the sort of, like, last anchoring, like, thing you could just pick up on the street. And you, mm -hmm. it was curated by someone else. And, you know, it's not according to algorithms. It's just a thing. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was universal. It was accessible. Mm -hmm. It was there. It was free. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that, um, I mean, you called it a long time ago, you know, that, that there wasn't it was not long for this earth sure and i would say that's you know print media is hard and like there are now three alt weeklies left in canada um technically four if you count a bi-weekly paper um in in Sask uh, saskatchewan but there's now in toronto and and the georgia strait in vancouver mm -hmm. and the coast in halifax and yeah you know fast forward left calgary a few years ago disappeared from calgary was shuttered down and it's it's just hard because nothing has replaced those things and i think something needs to yeah well what do you think of the um the announcement that you know views sort of major advertising in issues are still being are still being pursued and they will be owned by great west newspapers which owned c for a very long time i have many feelings <laughs> um i'm sure you do i yeah but uh, but you know uh, ultimately like i think like things like the golden fork awards and and um and the best of Edmonton and things like that, um, without being anchored to a paper, even if on their own individually they had bigger circulation or more production or more interest, I don't know where they come from. I don't know what they stand for. I don't know what to connect with outside of someone trying to sell me something, which is not what I want. You know, in all of social media that's free that we all use every day and f Facebook and Twitter, mm -hmm. everyone is always selling us something. There's Everything is promoted. I get enough of that in yeah. my life. I want to hear what some punk ass journalist who who shows up to the Who's scene being paid next to nothing yeah, and survives on on PBR and feelings for the arts. Um, what they have to say because they're part of that scene. But we still do that, Paul. We still. <laughs> yeah, but we're getting old. I know. We're old and tired all the time. Oh dear. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it is, it was kind of, when I heard about it, it sort of really kind of struck a nerve in a little way that like, oh, that's the last, that's like the last standing thing in print, you know, because post media certainly is not covering local arts with the gusto that those alt weeklies could. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I mean, outlets like Avenue and things like that, their runs are, their runs are too far ahead. They're too long. Right. So you don't really get like, um, 
emergent coverage or mm. or you know very like responsive coverage and, to things and so much of what disappears is like the most independent coverage and i think those mm. are the stories that most deserve to be told often because it's people who are doing this not because it's a paycheck but because they care about it and they have a passion for it or what they're trying to say and and without a dedicated outlet to cover those things i just think i think that's a, a damn shame <laughs> a sad sad thing well at least there are the college papers we'll see how they do yeah great <laughs> well Fonda, on that note let's look at what's coming up in the arts we're gonna start with um what a young wife ought to know which is being um the theater network's first show of the season which is now showing already um and will run until december 2nd mm, and that's at the roxy on gateway mm-hmm. also currently running is uh, miss bennett christmas at pemberley at the citadel uh, which is running until december 9th like a fun show mm-hmm. um also well the the last run ever of the citadel theater's storied christmas carol um runs november 30th to december 23rd right and um not the last run ever of alberta ballet's the nutcracker um or any nutcracker for that matter uh runs december 6th to 9th at the jubilee auditorium yeah, um, I, there's a show called The Unsinkables at the Sewing Machine Factory running from December 6th to 9th. Um, and we also have Oh Christmas Tree also playing at the Roxy on Gateway starting December 13th and running right until the 23rd, almost the Christmas. And I'm really curious about that show because um, Laura Brovold and Colin Doyle as husband and wife also star in it mm. as as partners. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about it's about an event planner who um, loves Christmas and her partner who hates it, which is like kind of a little close to home for me <laughs> sure okay um cool yeah um and then of course there's the other nutcracker shumka's big old nutcracker right. which runs uh december 22nd to 23rd great well yeah. listen here everyone <laughs> listen to those sleigh bells ring um yeah go see some art go see some stuff bye I Don't Get It is a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or check us out on albertapodcastnetwork.com or the CKUA radio app. I Don't Get It is recorded on Treaty 6 territory in Edmonton, Alberta, in the Edmonton Community Foundation's podcast studio. Our theme music is Mountain Time by Ghibli, and you can find more of Ghibli's music by going to ghibli.bandcamp.com. I Don't Get It is produced by Andrew Paul, Fonda Mithrush, and Paul Blinoff. Sit here thinking, I love you.